Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. Monday, 9 Jan. Hello, 2023. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, we're going to be chatting with Jimmy Moyaha. Top 40 closed Friday, 200 points of all-time highs. Digging, it's Richmond Naspas process. So these stocks worth looking for at 2023. Uh, Richard Carter from Alan Gray, the two-part retirement system. Where are we with it? We've been a lot of talk around that. I want to get a sense of does it finally arrive? Uh, Melani Malaleke, macroeconomist at ABSA, uh, the December PMI data. Frankly, uh, I thought it was better than expected, particularly considering load shedding. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Four charts showing the ESCOM crisis is just beginning. Things will get worse before they get better. Business Day, SA to meet with their FATF in Morocco in bid to avoid grey listing. Uh, Treasury's acting DG will lead a team to report on progress made combating illicit financial activity. Morning markets, the US was green on Friday after good job start to S&P up 2.3%, NASDAQ up 2.8%. Asia uh, green, Sydney up 0.6%. Tokyo is closed for coming of age day. Commodities green, gold $1,882 an ounce. Brent, $79.43. Platinum, $1,107. Palladium, $1,820. Rand, $1,706. Bitcoin, $17,200. Tencent is up 2.6%. And top 40 opening call, 810 points to the green, 1.1% higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Training now with uh, Jimmy Moyaha, independent analyst. Uh, Jimmy, appreciate the early morning, uh, early in the year. Uh, I, I got back from my holiday, out at the top 40, as I said in the intro there, a couple of hundred points off all-time high, which is from March of last year. Digging into it, Richmond has had a massive run, NASPAS, Process, and collectively, I mean, they're almost, what, 29% of, of the top 40. And these stocks to watch for 2023, they're also both kind of China, right? Because Richmond wants to sell their overpriced watches there, and of course, uh, uh, Tencent is, is, is process and SPAS. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you if you look at uh, let's take let's start with Richmond. Um, in the pandemic, 2021, 20 yeah, so 2021 and sort of start of 2022, China brought in uh, a huge chunk of revenue for Richmond. 2022, they struggled because China went back into lockdowns and Richmond's revenue then sort of shifted to coming in from Europe. Now, we know that going into 2023, the main concern is that we're going to struggle globally. So there's going to be global pressures in addition to the local pressures we have. We've got um, pressures, uh, as you alluded to earlier, around the... um, Grey listing that we're potentially facing. We've got pressures around ESCOM and the continued load shedding. So the local pressures we have are already in place, and the global pressures around the fact that we're expecting weak economic growth, we're expecting the possibility of a, a US-led recession. Still, we're expecting uh, a European recession, and, and just overall uh, sentiment around the world is not very positive at this moment. So for me, that says that yes, the stocks do have the potential to go higher. Yes, we'll likely uh, print new highs. The same thing we did in twenty. 2022, where we printed higher highs than 2021. We did it around between January and March, but then we saw for the rest of the year, stocks (laughs) declined. And I think 
that's what we're facing here. But in, in this decline, if that does happen, it'll be different because if this is a recession-led decline, then you're going to see that we're going to see deeper retracements. We might even print lower lows than we did last year. And if you look at a stock like Naspers, for example, uh, sitting around 3,100 at the moment, all-time highs are probably around 4,100, depending mm-hmm. on which platforms you're looking at. We, we've come off a base of having hit 1,400 rand a share last year. So we're, we've already done doubled in value from there. There's only about another 30, 35% odds to go. Is it worth buying in the middle of nowhere? This, for me, I would much rather wait for a retracement. I'm not saying they're bad stocks to have in your portfolios. Naspers and Process are definitely on that drive to unlock value for shareholders by mm-hmm. reducing that uh, discount with Tencent. And Richmond is always going to be attractive from a luxury goods perspective if you look at guys like LVMH um, and the like sort of competing in that space. Um, but I think the concern at the moment is you don't want to be buying in the middle of nowhere. Timing is going to be one of the most important things in 2023. And it's probably going to be an ongoing theme that we'll see in 2023 where good stocks are available, but are they at the right price for you to hold long term? Because remember, we could go into 2023 and just have um, a consolidation year. We could have, mm. we could have a, it's unlikely that we'll have a bumper year. It's possible we'll have a consolidation year. It's more likely that we're looking at some deeper re- retracements um, just off the back of global pressures. We can see that if um, the global sentiment is is such that it pushes um, m- uh, finances or pushes money away from equities, they're going to suffer. Uh, and we've seen that happen before. So I think at the moment, I, I wouldn't be too trigger happy around um, jumping in at this at these current levels, but um, I think I'd be watching to see if we do get some retracements that might unlock bits and pieces of value here and there. Yeah, and uh, a number of my commentators last year were saying when Richmond pulls back, that's when you buy it. Richmond currently sitting all-time highs. Maybe that's not the best place to buy it. Uh, it's Jimmy Moyaha, and that's our poll today on our LinkedIn and a Twitter, which is uh, quite simply, I mean, ch- chatting with Jimmy there, uh, top 40, I mean, c- can it continue higher? There's a lot out there that can get a spooky. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at standler.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Training now with Richard Carter, uh, head of assurance at Allen Gray. Uh, Richard, appreciate the early morning time. Uh, the two-part system, or the, the, the plan to amend our retirement system into a two-part system. Uh, it, it, talk started during the pandemic. A lot of talk with it around last year. Where are we sitting in, in terms of, of implementation dates? Well, that's a very good question. And there's still a lot that uh, needs to be um, finalized mm. and put in place. Um, and so I wouldn't like to say oh, it will come in on, on this date um, or, or that date. Um, I, I'm not sure we're close enough to be able to um, to say. I, th- I think Treasury would like to us to, you know, to get it in as soon as possible. Um, but there's still, there's still a long way to go. Um, and, you know, a lot of the the final details haven't haven't been pinned down, and until you do that, it's very hard to actually say well it will take effect on you know on on 
on this day. Hey, I want to come to some of those, perhaps the final details still being pinned down in a moment. Where we're sitting right now, as I understand, is broad agreement that, that your Reg 28 funds will sort of be split into an investment pot, two-thirds, uh, a savings pot, one-third, um, and, and we could access that, that savings pot post-implementation. Yes, uh, absolutely. Broad agreement that that's a better system um, and that if we could get to a system where two-thirds of your savings um, are, are more protected, mm-hmm. um, that those two-thirds will make it to retirement and actually be able to be used to provide an income, you know, broad agreement that that's a better model. Um, and that there's, you know, and that you wouldn't have to resign or change jobs to get access to, you know, the, the one-third, which would be the the sort of you know viewed as the emergency part that that would that would be better. So yes, there's definitely um, broad agreement that that's that that's a better way forward. And and that's a great point you make there because a lot of folks look at this and think, oh, it's a terrible idea. People are accessing their retirement money early. The truth is, as you mentioned, there people are. They're just having to resign, uh, cash out, pay tax. This actually, if it works well, and 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 you know, it, it certainly on paper it looks like a good idea. This could actually improve retirement savings in the country. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is the that is the whole point. Um, we have a retirement system that that works very well for some people, and um, you know, there there are people who get to retirement with um, meaningful so, minority. Yeah, sorry, I, I lost you there a moment. But we got the point. It is it, it is a minority uh, withdrawals when it goes. Uh, this, the, the 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 note that you sent out suggested that this will be taxed as income, which which kind of makes it then tax neutral. Because of course, I get the benefit of a red twenty eight fund when I put the money in, um, and then the the withdrawal I make out of my savings portion would just be added to income. Yes. So um, you know, Treasury's concern, or, or not just Treasury, I suppose, would be that that there'd be abuse. The moment you make it very flexible, mm. that people can put money in and take it out on a more flexible basis. Um, if the, if there's a difference in how you tax, then there's an incentive, um, uh, to, you know, mm. to mess around, and so they wanted to avoid that. So if you if you tax the money coming out on the same basis as you give relief for the money going in, then there's really not much opportunity to. Um, you know, to to be clever and and to try and yeah. um, you know put one over the tax man, and so and so the, you know that that's really where that comes from. And 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 you you mentioned some of the the the, the issues that still need to be ironed, ironed out. One of them, as I understand, is seeding, because the the plan is that this mm. will be money that is added post implementation, whenever that might be. Um, but but in essence, what about the the sort of the funds? You know, I, I I'm I'm you know my fifties. I've got a pile of cash already there. What's yeah. the thinking around that? Because my understanding was it's it's just going to be new money. Yes. So, I mean, and that's how I hope it, it, it mm. uh, actually goes forward. Um, and, but in there are two, two, two quite important details. The first is people who are closer to retirement. You know, the last time we changed the retirement system, um, you know, people who were closer to retirement were excluded on the rationale. You know, as you said, they've already saved, they, they understand how things are, they've done their planning, don't, don't mess with them right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would make sense for there to be an age limit again. Um, but the more contentious thing is the seeding, um, which is the, the touches on the point you made earlier that um, it's, it's going forward, which means it will have very little, um, from an access point of view, very little benefit on day one to um, people who don't have any money in this new system. And so the idea was, well, can't we transfer some money from the old system into the new system? But that's horribly complex. Um, and if you get it wrong, either in terms of, you know, feeling too much money mm. um, and, and also administratively, I mean, there's just a lot of complexity around seeding. Um, 
However, you know, it might be something that is needed in order to get, you know, the change over the line. So um, it, it, it's a thing where we you sort of we're, we're watching and waiting to see what what comes down. There, there are definitely some quarters with a very strong, you know, preference for an element of freedom. <laughs> We'll leave it there and we'll wait for a budget, which I think is going to be 22nd Feb. Hopefully we get more insights then. Richard Carter, Head of Assurance, Alan Gray, appreciate the early morning. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Joining now with Hamilani Mololeke is uh, ABSA CIB Senior Economist. We had uh, purchasing, ABSA Purchasing Managers Index PMI data out uh, for December, of course. It's up at 53.1%, up slightly from December at 526 But that's the fourth month of heading higher. And importantly, above 50%, above 50 rather, is an indication of, of, of an expanding uh, economy. Milani, appreciate the early mo- morning. The, the data is mixed, but certainly the headline number is a really good number, especially considering the the load shedding that 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 that's happening out there it would seem industry has i suppose we could say politely learned to live with the horror that is load shedding absolutely simon i think to some degree we are starting to get um some sense that there are parts of of the sector that are that are learning to cope with some amount uh, of load shedding is I think it's very difficult of course I think to to, to say exactly to to what degree mm-hmm. uh, but but businesses do seem to be learning and I think when you look at um, the the overall PMI number it, it does kind of signal that it's the fourth consecutive improvement um, that we've seen and I think certainly the highest level that we've seen for the PMI um, uh, since June uh, and I think it, it certainly does indicate that there, there are some parts of uh, the sector where there certainly is some some level of strength here, but I think we we should still be clear here that that load shedding certainly is still inflicting a huge amount of damage yeah. uh, to use parts of the industry as well. That, that's a good point. I mean, imagine this number without the load shedding. I suppose is perhaps the better way to look at it. Well, one of the points yeah. that stood out to me it, it seems to be uh, that 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 the peak in sort of cost pressure perhaps is now behind manufacturers, which is which is which is good for inflation. Which ultimately, if if that if that does play through is, is going to be good for, for, for consumers and ultimately the economy if inflation is coming down and at some point the, the Reserve Bank can, can stop hiking. That's, it's a really good point. I think when we look at across all these different services, the one that for us was uh, really positive was that that, that cost index uh, in a big drop in December by about 11 and a half points to just 64.4 points. It's the lowest we've seen uh, since late 2019. I think there's a very clear indication here that a lot of the cost pressures that manufacturers have been dealing with uh, over the last 18 months or so, you know, from shipping costs, uh, you know, fuel costs, exchange, those are may, may be starting to abate a little bit. And I think you make a really important point that if this is sustained, 
uh, it could have second-round effects on uh, consumer price inflation as mm. well, which in any case is expected to come down uh, this year. And I think that could certainly have implications for how the South African Reserve Bank uh, thinks about monetary policy for this year. What we also saw was an uptick in supply delivery index, uh, new sale orders dipping a little bit. It, it, it's still positive, but is this is this perhaps supply chain frictions returning, um, or, or is it just quite simply that that demand is stronger? I mean, is, is it more likely perhaps some friction back into the supply chains? Yeah, that one was a bit of a surprise for us, I must say. I mean, of course, it's just one month's worth of data, mm. and we'll have to see uh, in January, February if this is sustained. I mean, we have been seeing, Simon, that, of course, I mean, post-COVID, there was that long period where supply chain frictions were really, really bad and were really actually part of the reason why costs went up so much. But that has been improving for, for, for most of last year. So that, that that increase in December really does come against around play. Um, hard to tell at this stage, I think, if, if it's a, sort of an indication of something real. Uh, so we, we'd sort of prefer to wait uh, to see what the January numbers look like. And I suppose one of the things that some of the guys that we've chatted with are concerned about is um, – I think China's decision to uh, just sort of reopen and against this backdrop where they're seeing this big surge in in, in COVID infections is concerned that you know some of the trading, uh, some of the, the, the sort of counterparts from there uh, could see worker abstentions. You know, you could actually see um, supply chains coming under a bit of pressure again if you know some some firms are not able uh, to sort of meet uh, orders because of uh, you know big infections and workers not coming through. Uh, to the office, but I think it's something that we'll have to see in terms of how that plays out over the next couple of months. Do we get? I mean, you, you mentioned. I mean, a, a lot of what we're talking is is a single data point. It's December. We need to. We, we want some sort of confirming data points as we move through through the new year. Is is December sometimes perhaps a slightly more? I don't know. Maybe lumpy or less reliable. I'm just thinking because of industry close down, yeah. or, or am I am I sort of going overboard with that? Yeah. It's a good point. So what we what what we try to do, um, Simon, in, in in the data, because you really you make a really good point here. December is not a very busy yeah. month from a seasonal perspective, but what we try to do in the way that we present the data is that we do adjust the data for seasonal factors. Um, so so right, we remove yeah. the the effects of the seasonal patterns and try to understand uh, what what the real underlying trend is and. Um, so, so that should still be, um, a, you know, a fairly reliable indicator of what's going on beyond uh, just sort of the seasonal dip that you see in activity around that uh, that time of the year. Gotcha. And that was the phrase I was looking for: seasonally adjusted. We will leave it there, Milani Muruleki, uh, macroeconomist at Absa. Appreciate the early morning insight. That's it for today. Uh, remember, we've got our poll up on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn asking around markets. I mean, we, we, we're going to open at all-time highs this morning. Uh, whether it holds, time will tell. Uh, Jimmy Moyaha was uh, he's basically saying, yeah, we could have a good first quarter as we saw last year, but maybe not the whole year. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nabochle, Nicole, Eleanor, to you for listening, my guests, for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, how to overcome the fear of losing money. Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday.
For more business, finance and investment news. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast.